Come gather round people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times they are a-changing Some writers and critics who prophesize Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I am Scott Jones. And I am Bill Bohr. And we have been silent since election night. Yeah, I think... Um, for a variety of reasons, uh, I think we went through the four stages of Kubler Ross. Uh, yeah, we like you know real pundits. We're we're kind of we're semi real pundits. Uh, yeah, but, but we got it, we got it as wrong as everyone else did. We did, and we were on a streak too. I mean, we uh, we I feel like we were doing well, but you know, it's like uh, almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grains. Well, right? you know, I think uh, you know, in, in my own sense, I think. I wanted it to be true to the extent that I didn't, even though there was plenty of signs out there, both literally and figuratively, that uh, there the Donald the Donald Trump base uh, was was more mobilized than Hillary Clinton. I mean, Hillary Clinton still won the majority of votes in this country, but uh, not the way that we that in in the way that the founders advise the whole thing, which theoretically I still believe in, though I'm I'm questioning some of that. But nonetheless, the people who um, I guess won, like I mean, the category is people who actually liked Donald Trump and believed in him, uh, and and those folks are probably the ones that make me most nervous. All right, and then the group of people who did not like Hillary Hillary Clinton, and um, I don't. I, I think this is probably true for both of both uh, both of us. You know, we've had three chances to vote for Hillary Clinton, and I over, only ever voted for her once. Primary once, primary right. twice. Yes. Yeah. So you and I were not what I would call, in any sense of the imagination, enthusiastic about Hillary Clinton. Um, and so there were a lot of people out there who just didn't like her. I mean. As Dan Carlin said, uh, again, someone who we often refer to, the Democrats uh, nominated a highly unpopular person and should not be surprised that a highly unpopular person did not get elected. A highly unpopular person in who is an establishment person in a populist screw the system here. Because like Jeb Bush was somebody that I don't think was highly unpopular. No. But was an establishment guy and got. But I mean, normally things like money, endorsements, things like this normally actually make like somewhat of a difference. But like gravitas as a yeah, gravitas. As Trump said, uh, when he spends millions out, what's he get? Uh, he's got like uh, four, de- four, you know, two deli. You know, like he. I mean, the guy. By the way, did you see the sixty Minutes interview? No, no I did not. It was uh, you know they were asking about the Bushes, and he said, uh, you know, he was much more conciliatory. I went to war with Jeb. That was hard. 
I went to war. Hey, I went to war with Jeff. So he's just kind of like he does these kind of. Once. So that so this is his second war. The first war was the sexual revolution. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. The club scene in uh, New York, and then the second war was the Republican uh, Republican not, uh, primary. So Geraldo, by the way, was on the five again, which they. I mean, when I see the Twitter feed, one day I got on there because I thought on Twitter, just tweet, hey, Haralda, great points. Because he's very good journalist. I mean, he's people, he gets a, because of some ta- things he did that were kind of sensational. He He's a great journalist. And he, he he's the guy that brings actually, you know, facts. And sometimes they look <laughs> like, hey, Haralda, what are you doing here? But uh, Haralda, they were talking about Trump on abortion. He said pro-life, pro-life. And Haralda just goes, well, Donald's been pro-choice. All the years I've known him, <laughs> <laughs> including the studio, fifty-four years. Well, you know, I, I think uh, again, our uh, one of our friends and our trolls, like uh, uh, the fact, you know, when I went in a back and forth. I mean, he 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 did vote for the conservative revolution. He voted for a pro-choice Democrat for president. Yeah. Uh, now, again, so the, you know, one category, and again, I don't know what percentage of those folks who really do like Trump and. And believe in the rhetoric that he said, there's a category of people who just absolutely did not like Hillary Clinton. Um, and again, there's been a whole cottage industry uh, of anti-Clinton stuff ever since the 90s. And frankly, the Clintons have done plenty to to increase that hostility. Bigly. <laughs> and then the third group, uh, and again, I'm sure there's overlaps, would be the folks who uh, wanted change and were willing to risk a lot uh, to to go against the status quo. Uh, you were sharing a a gambling analogy. Yes, Bill and I have been talking. I mean, <laughs> unless, lest you think that we, like, our, our radio silence is not meant our literal non-communicative reality. But well, so I was saying that. It's because my mama always said, if you don't have something nice to say. You don't say anything, don't say at, anything all. at all. You know, I, we were talking about, just the way different people vote. And and all of us, our politics are all deeply embedded into our emotions and our psychology. We did a podcast last year. Maybe we'll do a reboot of this, but mm. we did. I just sent it to somebody. Our sound quality was not quite what it is now. Like, but it wasn't as bad as it was our first episode, but we were still on the way. It was intrepid. But we did this thing about surviving the, Holidays, uh, oh, right, yeah. and we talked about Jonathan Haidt's work, and you know Haidt talks about how all of us make our our liberals or conservative or libertarians and things for emotional psychological reasons. So it's not to say that like we are any less susceptible to that, but I think some people follow these things and really are informed. And maybe it's you know you could say it's it's some sort of uh, mental illness, but for better or worse, <laughs> you know those types of people, and so. What we, you were, we were talking, I said, you know, I, I almost never lose when I go to the casino and play Texas Home. I don't do it very often. I do it maybe once, twice a year. And uh, the times I've lost money, I lost most recently when Lindy and I were on vacation. I lost like uh, 100 bucks or something. And oh, by the way, I feel like I need to do that little thing they do on the radio. You know, they're advertising, advertising, come to the casino. Come yeah, to yeah, casino. right. And then uh, for those of you who have a gambling problem, please contact one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was at uh, where I was at this was I I forget what casino we're at but and I got beat on a hand where I went all in with aces uh, I, I pocket aces and I got beat 
with a starter hand that was, I mean, when, when we showed down, the guy had nothing he hit on the flop or the, or the, or the turn. I mean, he, like, heads up, like, the guy yeah, had nothing. You should probably translate So that. basically, you know, Texas Hold'em, for those of you who have not seen Casino Royale, it's, you know, poker's making the best hand out of five cards. This, everyone starts with two cards, and then you keep going based on if you think you have the strongest hand or not, and you can raise. And so after the initial round of the first bets, then you get three cards, which is the flop. And then really things really change once you see the flop. I right. mean, because you really know, uh, you know, if you have a good hand or bad hand. But most really good players, you look at most professional poker players, they fold 90% of the hands. So right. I, I'm not a great poker player. I just go do that. And so I, I, <laughs> it's boring, but there's free drinks. So right. you, you sit there for a couple hours, and usually I can double or double a half my money, and it's incredibly boring. People get the hang of the fact that you're doing this because right. you win a few hands, and, and when you show, you, you always have good starter cards. Right. So they – well, I mean, but you sometimes get beat by people that, that just are like, hey, I, I knew a guy who I played with in a like recreational bar poker league where you won a gift certificate the end of the night if you won – and he would just say, like, you know, he would play every suited hand. So, like, let's say he had four, eight of clubs. That's a terrible percentage hand. But you'd say, I'm well-dressed. I got to step out. <laughs> so so that's the, people always say, what's your favorite starter hand? I always say, pocket aces. <laughs> I'd rather have that than any hand. Like, but I think that when people that play less seldom, like, it gets boring to do that. And, like, they're a hand that looks exciting, like six, seven suited. Well, what if I get a straight? You know, like, I mean, that's, you know, which is true. But, but normally, six, seven suited, especially with small group, won't be. I mean, it, it will happen. But I think a lot of voters this election that voted for Donald Trump that were not um, active people. Like, they're people that kind of came. And, and he turned out a lot of these people that m might not have been in the likely voter category right. were people that, like, you go and get beat on a fluke hand because they played, you know, six, nine, uh, you know, suited and you played pocket Kings and, you know, like there's per some percentage of the time, the right cards will drop. And even though it, it was not the percentage move, they win. And I, I think that people were thinking more like Donald Trump looked like their favorite hand. So I, I know some people have Jack 10, or, you know, or pocket eights or, you know, like these things. Again, my favorite star hand is always pocket aces because it's the highest percentage hand. <laughs> but the, but it doesn't always win. And I think a lot of the voters that were voting in this election who voted for Donald Trump were thinking more like, I like, I like the look of the hand less than thinking about the stats and the probabilities and things like that. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, you know, his... Again, I, I, I've uh, spent most of my adult life in the shadow of Donald Trump. I know business people who lost their business because he'd ever paid them, um, you know, back when he was connected with the Atlantic City stuff. Uh, I mean, frankly, if I was even open to what he had to say when he insulted Don, you know, when he saw, insulted uh, John McCain, McCain uh, you know, made fun of a prisoner of war, uh, most, I mean, it seems to me most people have conscience, let alone that's, you know, what he said about, you know, Hispanics and women's and things like that. And again, 
you know, there was this really kind of got angry feed on my Facebook page. For a while there, I heard from all these people I went to high school with. Uh, for a while, I said, oh, it's good to hear from these people. But then it got kind of angry and nasty among themselves. But, uh, I, you know, again, I, I don't think it is irrational to say it, that he said these things. And, you know, people say, well, the the um, the media took it out of context. Well, no, the John McCain thing is what he said. Uh, you know, what he said about, uh, you know, Kelly, what's Kelly, what, the female journalist uh, from Fox? The blood was, Yeah, you know. I mean, that he said that. Uh, what he said uh, is, it was one of the most funny things. I heard someone being interviewed and said that, you know, he never said that about, Mexicans and the wall and the rapists and things. It wasn't in any of the transcripts of, you know, his his uh, speech where he was announcing his candidacy. Well, he didn't, he went off script. He didn't follow any of the copies of the script or of the speech they gave him. He went totally off script there. So no, it's... Bigly. <laughs> so, I mean, again, I think it's okay since particularly someone who doesn't have any real, he doesn't really have any policies. I mean, we already see I really, uh, you know, and he hasn't even been president. So this first week after he's been elected, a really mixed bag. I mean, it would be hard to measure exactly where this whole thing's going. Well, well, okay. So can I just kind of interject here? Yeah, please. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, so what the plan is? Now, again, we can talk more about our hopes because we could, you know, like Brother Dan Carlin and some others, we could pull out some yeah. positives. But let's just start with this. If you voted for Donald Trump, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not saying if you're laughing at you. I'm just saying I, I, maybe, I might be laughing at this reasoning, though, in light of what's happening. If you voted for the guy that was going to drain the swamp, right. the first and key thing, chief of staff, and this is the person that's the gatekeeper of the right. White House, Reince Priebus, we're going to get the establishment. If you are voting for this guy, as much, and I think Michael Moore, right. you know, if anybody had called, it's called this. I mean, this, mm. here's a guy that I would say... You want to appoint a news director at CNN or MSNBC, Fox, anywhere. Like, just if you want the best news director, get Michael Moore because he nailed it. You know, he, and he said, it. you know, these people in Michigan, when he went out there and said, we're going to put a tariff on it, he's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Right. But people are like, yeah, F you. No one, either party said that. Right. To for, and, you know, so the first move is to make Reince Priebus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who. <laughs> Who is more the establishment, like little, who just looks like the guy walking around in Game of Thrones is like the spider or whatever. Like, yeah, like, like who is more part of the establishment? Uh, 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 you know, then, I mean, somebody like that. I mean, I, I don't even know who you could find, you know, like th that would be card carrying. Yeah, you know, it's interesting too. Now, you know, one of you and I are probably, if I had to say, what's our single greatest fear about Donald Trump is we're giving him the nuclear cut. That would be, I mean, the fact. I had to think. There was a lot. Had, <laughs> there were, there were. But the fact is that a, a president can do a lot. It probably shouldn't yeah. be that way. But, the you know, the presidency, you know, there's been this imperial expansion of presidential power. That really, I mean, that's post, it's post-World War II. It's not just, you know, you know, the Republicans will point to, to you know, uh, Barack Obama, the Democrats. Will, yeah, nobody, everybody, everybody is critical it. of it. Until they get in office yeah, and no they, one repeals it. Yeah. Because it mean, feels good to be behind the chair. I mean, you may say that, you know, the you know, uh, Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter were held somewhat in check because of the post-Watergate thing. But from Ronald Reagan's sense, you know, the office has, you know, continued to expand its power. So that makes me, you know, uh, 
very nervous that this person who who, who is a narcissist, uh, who doesn't seem to have any real, uh, you know, it's not a stupid, he just doesn't seem to be really interested in a lot of the things you need to know about. And on this score, I mean, okay, so also we ran a campaign here against stupid wars. Right. Now, I hope, so, he, I hope he follows that. I, I agree well, with well, that. I, I, well, uh, Secretary of State might be, uh, oh, shoot, what's his? Uh, uh, Newt. No, John uh, Bo- uh, John Bolton. B- John Bolton. Oh John, bomb them, bomb, 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 bombs away, Bolton. Yeah. John Bolton wanted to go into Iraq in 1998. Was thrilled when we did it in 2000, and one and and wanted to do. He thought our mistake in Libya was not being interventionist enough, and every year is wanting to bomb Iran. Bomb, 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 bomb. Iran. <laughs> yeah, John Bolton. He will be. He'll put on a cowboy hat. And ride the nuclear missile down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to do this for my country. <laughs> He'll be Doctor Strange level. This over, is yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, this is what I find so problematic that, that okay, again, if if everybody's saying you know we're tired of these, which I think again, no, I, I agree it, with that. It, it, yeah, absolutely, and that was a hope for the Trump. Can, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, it, to people like us, it seemed insane that people might. Uh, I was with Bernie, and then when Bernie got into for Donald Trump, but you think of trade, you think of the critique of the sort of bipartisan consensus on our role in the world, but then you go and you say you're going to put bomb, 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 bomb them, Bolton. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, these are – and okay, then then Rudy Giuliani comes up and says, I don't want to be <laughs> attorney general. I'll only sell for secretary of state. And then – Newcastle. so you're, you're, dra- you're not draining the swamp. You're, you're sort of – Putting old swamp water infused with it's, current it's, swamp it's, water. It's a, re, it's, a re, it's a return of the eighty swamp creatures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the, yeah. Swamp Thing, by the way, great comic book and a great movie. I think it's it was made around nineteen eighty. Yeah. Swamp Thing is a great film. I mean, it's so cool. If you haven't yeah. seen it, it's it's very cool. But that, so I mean, so this is now now also. Let's just say you voted for Donald Trump because which I have many. You're a social conservative, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, and, been, and let's start, first of all, as a social conservative, and let's say uh, uh, being anti-abortion, pro-life, is what drives your machine. Yeah, and maybe tr- a traditional marriage. Like, uh, maybe you have you, you, yeah, both, things. Both things. Yeah, yeah, things of family values, abortion. He basically said, pardon my French, but go F yourself in a 60-minutes interview where he basically said that you know, that when they asked him about gay marriage, it's settled. The courts have spoken. It's not even an issue. And gays will be in his part of his administration. Um, and I heard after that, Mike Mike Pence's head imploded. They were able to put his brains back in his head. <laughs> Which didn't take long. And, and even his science, he said pro-life judges, pro-life, very, pro, very, very pro-life. I mean, as pro-life as it can be. Eternal life, pro-life, big life, <laughs> life magazine. <laughs> the cereal. Yeah, exactly. Cereal, life cereal. I like it all. But he did then say, well, you know, if it was, it's a long way to go. We don't even know whether, you know, and, you know, and even if it would go back to the states. And they said, so a woman would have, might have to go to another state to get an abortion. But maybe, possibly. None of this national amendment to constitutional amendment, none of the, I mean, there was no, even, even rhetorically, there wasn't like a a rhetoric, we're going to do everything. I mean, you know how Donald Trump is with rhetoric. If you want to say the ban on abortion is going to be so big. So big. If you even think about it, we'll have an implant. Your head will explode. <laughs> well, I think it's also again. I think, and you know, I'm pro-life. So, I mean, I, I'm I. Uh, I don't want it, I don't want abortion criminalized, but I, um, 
I'm, 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 it's, it's part of my, my ethic. And oh, by the way, Reynolds shook, who's one of just said, and then there's Steve Bannon. Oh my God. Wait, we'll get to that soon. This is going to be our longest podcast. We're yeah. 20 minutes in, and we have taught, we've talked about maybe having an election recap. We probably have at least 45. Yeah. Hours. Well, and, Reynolds, and, thank and, you. And, uh, and we, we will, we will henceforth refer to him as Goebbels. But anyway. <laughs> and Reynolds, you, Reynolds, you don't want uh, these squares. They're acoustic squares. They're not as cool looking in person as they are in the camera, but they do soak up they do. reverb. They do. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, oh, but since 1980, since Ronald Reagan, uh, Republicans have nominated, or Republicans have put in seven Supreme Court judges to the Democrats' four. All right. So, in other words, Republican, you know, Republican replacement judges, if you do the math, you know, that, that, that there have been times where there's been a quote unquote conservative majority. And, and with that conservative majority, when the Republicans also held, all other branches of government. Right. So all I'm saying is that Republicans, for those of you who care about the, if, if pro-life is your issue, uh, how many, that's county administrations, five Republican administrations, uh, two terms with Reagan, two terms with the younger Bush and one term with Bush senior have not delivered uh, on that. So, uh, and those, they haven't delivered Bigly. Bigly. So, and I mean, you're dealing with uh, two card-carrying conservatives, and certainly uh, Bush Sr. was uh, right of center. So I think uh, a non-ideological who certainly has lived, when it comes to moral issues, rather liberally, uh, uh, unless this is what he throws, unless he throws this as a bone to social conservatives, and of course he's going to be dealing with a Congress that where many of people care about this, but I think the facts. You think Ivanka Trump is going to let him put somebody on there that would be? I mean, she, I don't think she has any control over. It, his it seems like life. her son-in-law. That's different. Well, I think the son-in-law. I mean, these are not people that are. I, I, I he they have some influence because he just asked today if his kids could have security clearance. What he asked if his children could have security clearances. Now, you compare this to George H.W. Bush, which asked his children when he was in the White House not to even contact any federal agencies because of the appearance of impropriety. He has asked them to if they could have security clearances. Now, her son, her, his son-in-law can't be a paid advisor, I think, because I, I, I think that's uh, illegal. Or, but, it, but he's going to be – this is just fascinating. I mean, it's – this is fascinating on so many levels. I, I don't know. This We should have done an outline because <laughs> I think being the Facebook Live combined with just all the things. I mean, Bill, we could just, this could be a marathon. We could filibuster. <laughs> we could filibuster as long as we still have it. Yeah, uh, exactly. We still, exactly. We still have that. Yeah. So I, I guess that's part of, I, I, I mean, uh, and as you, as you said earlier, I, I'm not presupposing, we're not presupposing that we're different from everyone else. There's a certain kind of psycho emotional, uh, there are psycho-emotional influences on why we think the way we do. And we, we, we talked about this last night. It's probably why we missed some of the right. Trump trend no. like like a lot of other people did because, you know, we, we live in a bubble to some degree. I mean, we try to read widely and stuff, but everybody but has what, their but blind what been, But what, what we were saying since last fall was that this is – he's not – we don't know what he is, but he's he, we don't think he's the person – that he's presenting yeah. himself. So as. let's just do an experiment, okay? The party of Reagan, okay? The Reagan coalition. And, and, and George 
W. Bush was a good candidate for them too. I mean, right. maybe not as successful as a president, you know, but at least an impact. I mean, you could argue Reagan's policies, but like an impact. But you had the social conservatives, right? You had the defense conservatives who morphed into the neocons, right? And the business conservatives, right? Okay. Now, for social conservatives, again, have been told to kind of go after themselves. Here's Mike Pence, and that's not going to make a difference at all. <laughs> for neocons, maybe, maybe not. I mean, he's campaigned on not against neocon stuff, and then boom, boom, bomb on Bolton. But who knows? I mean, that could go yeah, like the new gang is just hanging around Giuliani. It could, you know, it, it seems like that's the open. And then the business conservatives, he's talking protectionism. He's talking build the wall. He, all these things, you know, the, uh, a, a, a more mitigated free trade system. The, these cranking are Cranking down on Wall Street. Cranking down on Wall Street. These are things. So, so it's, he said, he, you have now another party <laughs> of one. You have a party right. of one. With who, lots who this, of who lots with lots of people whose yeah. whose rhetoric was and if you're if you're a populist who voted for the guy to shake it up, I mean it's it's it, it appears that nothing's going to be shaken up, like or at least right now from the early picks. Now again, it's way early. It's way early, but yeah. chief of staff's a big pick, bigly. Yeah. yeah, no, it is. But he also by, I mean he he's already kind of built in a conflict within his his inner circle. Well, we have shut down Reynolds. We're going to get to Steve Bannon now. No, I yeah, I mean, oh wait, we have something from Redder. Didn't abandon you guys. <laughs> we never would think you. <laughs> Thank you. You are. And so we're, let's get as to, the ship goes down. Josh will be there. With exactly. Us. Let's get to Bannon. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's I. That's just pure wow. This is a guy that, no, whether or not personally, he's anti-Semitic. And, and there are testimonies both sides. Right. One involves divorce proceedings, which, you know, I, I, I throw out a court on one level just because things right. are complicated. Right. But, but lots of, I mean, there's, if he has it, it's like saying, well, some of my best friends are racist. <laughs> I mean, he, he has been quoted as saying he gave the platform to the alt-right. Right. I mean, you had today, I mean, this is... Like, we're not making this up. Lipless, I swear to God, we're not making this up. And I don't mean that in a Lord's name of vain. I mean, I, I mean that in the most sincere way. I, I, we're being as truthful as we can. The KKK, <laughs> out of the KKK, and David Duke, who are not the same person, uh, both said, this He's this is great. He balances out Ryan's previous and is going to keep Trump's uh, you know, feet to the fire. <laughs> no, what feet to the fire? What fire? Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and what, yeah. Who else's feet could go to the fire? Right, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, it, like the, it, 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 when <laughs> white nationalists, hate people say, "Great job." <laughs> Usually, you want to consider doing the opposite. Right. It's it's not I mean, depending on your politics, but I think for most for people, most people, yeah. that's a bad sign. Well, I think this is why. This is why. Uh, what I would call classic conservatives, the National Review such, were totally opposed to this. You know, there was a really interesting article that talked about how Buckley used to basically, before Buckley died, he was the Pope. And he just said, you know, Buckley was a New Yorker. And David Brooks, I just heard an interview Alec Baldwin did a couple of years ago with David Brooks. And he said that was so influential, like working with Buckley because oh, he was yeah. such a... And he didn't talk politics that much in his house. He talked about art and the opera. And person food. of faith. Yeah, person of faith. And so Buckley excommunicated you like if you got too extreme you know like yeah when, when people like when pat buchanan kind of he's like he perceived him as calling outside the lines you're out 
Then when Buckley died, there was a vacuum. And when Andrew Breitbart There arose died, a Pharaoh who knew not Buckley. Exactly, who knew not Buckley, yes. And then, <laughs> you know, and then when Andrew Breitbart died, who was Jewish, kind of agnostic Jew, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Bannon kind of gro- grabbed hold of Breitbart. And, 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 and again, Bannon's words gave it, a, you know, created the alt-right. I mean, gave right. the alt-right... I, I mean, I rest my case. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I mean, that's I, that's a bad move. I mean that that and, and and I think to do that early on. Uh, now you know I saw some a Republican senator from Mississippi saying, "Well, Bannon, you know, he won more minorities than Mitt Romney, and so you know, this is how can you say Bannon was on the campaign?" Is, right. I was like, "Wow, okay, yeah, uh, yeah." I don't. I mean, I I, just, I think this is. This is not does not bode well for someone that wants to and it, who lost the popular vote and who whose election is causing protests that with you know no end in sight in the near future, right? Much of which is around your inability to be inclusive and the president for all Americans, including and especially minorities, LGBT people. This is a way I think that could be perceived by some as pouring gasoline on the fire. Yeah, I think so too. And, Bigly, yeah. And so I, I think you know, and and this kind of matters. And I will say, you know, again, uh, if any of you did not see last Saturday's Saturday Night Live, you need to you need to watch uh, Chappelle's monologue. Was uh, Dave Chappelle's monologue? Was Guy amazing. has not been doing. St- Comedy for a little while took a break, and man, he did not miss a step. And uh, one of my favorite lines, he goes, he goes, he's just laughing how angry white people are right now. And he goes, they had a riot in Portland, Oregon. And, and he goes, in Portland, Oregon, he goes, and they did a million dollars worth of damage. And my response, amateurs. <laughs> that was pretty great. Yeah, I mean, they probably, yeah, probably most of that was just smashing the apple. Uh, but they didn't. They didn't want to destroy the Apple Store because they need to be there the next day. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, right. I was in New York a couple weekends ago with Lindy, my wife, and we were walking around. And I, several coffee shops I went by, they were packed, and everybody had their computers open. I don't think I saw one PC, like yeah. not one. Maybe that's the big divide. People talk about the big divide. Maybe that's the thing. I I wonder, like, where the PC users are concentrated and where the Apple users are concentrated. I don't know. I, I, you know, it's uh, – and I have to admit, I, again, I think I saw this in a couple couple uh, people who were saying, you know, the Republicans won, get over it. Uh, when they mentioned that in certain college campuses, they were bringing, you know, uh, help dogs and crayons and Play-Doh and creating safe spaces for people to get over the election a bit. Uh, I mean that does it does sound a little. Uh, uh, it's the caricature of maybe what's wrong with with what we've done with our, our young people in terms of coddling too much, and the politically correct culture. I think. Oh, it's you, 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 you cannot underestimate the impact that has had. And I and Trump won. I was looking at the demographics. He won whites bigly. Like well, every, he won whites of every. Now Hillary Clinton, overall voters under fifty thousand dollars, she won right. them all. Uh, but whites, and then when you get to like high income voters, it's pretty close. I think she actually won more high income voters. But when you get to whites, when you shift to white, Trump wins them all. Now, and I, 
I'm separate. I mean, I've been claiming, I've been critical of the politically correct culture, which I spent my entire adult academic career around, uh, uh, saying that any, you know, the, the one place there should be free speech is in an academic place. So I, I understand completely the backlash. We've even talked about that, that uh, the most persecuted minority in your academic communities are, are conservatives. And absolutely. Yeah. And, that, and that, that's absolutely wrong. Okay, because if you need you need a diversity of voices, uh, you know, I, it was it was funny. I mean, I, I was part of a major denomination uh, that, you know, my entire career with it, they they harped on let's be more diverse. And by the time I left the denomination, it was so much less diverse because it had kind of driven out the more conservative people, which included conservative minorities as well. So it, it was a less diverse group of people. And that I think that doesn't help us. Um, but you, you can't ignore, and, and also I think peaceful protest lets off some steam. It gives people who feel um, uh, who feel kind of hopeless an opportunity to go out and do something. So I, I actually, regardless of what side of the political aisle it, it's on, I think public assembly is a is a very important and guarded protection in the Bill of Rights, and I think it serves a lot of. A lot of functions. It's an opportunity to give voice to people who feel that they don't have voice. Yeah, and that, and a close. I mean, Howard Stern did a great thing after the election. His first show up to the election, he said, "You know, let me tell you, I just look at it like this way. Like, we have a president now, and he was a verbal Hillary Clinton supporter. You see, you know, like, but I like here's the thing: half the country felt hurt. I mean, you might be hurt, heartbroken, angry, frustrated, and that's why he said, you know." I'm pissed because they're climbing on Fifth Avenue. I can't get home. But he said, you know, no, I said, do that. It's good. Be active. Organize. He said, but you know, that's their, you know, people are in a close election like this. I mean, yeah. people, if, you know, who didn't feel heard. If it, had, uh, if it had gone the other way, there would be an equal amount of outrage there. Bigly. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the fact, even in our back, literally in our backyard, there was Nazi graffiti painted on a high school uh, wall. Now, again, uh, by nature, high school students. Uh, Bill didn't mean literally. By the way, he meant like uh, in close proximity, not literally in both of our backyards. No, if, but close. I mean, because then it's, somebody might have in been Bucks County. Yeah, you know, high school in Bucks County. Yeah. Uh, there was anti-immigrant Nazi graffiti on a bathroom wall. Now, again, I actually expect there to be graffiti on bathroom walls, and you know, I think that's that's part of a rite of passage. But, I don't. You, line them up like a mouse they shoot them once <laughs> as the bathrooms go so go the world but you know what there would not have been a swastika i mean i i grew up in a very conservative community still conservative and there would not have been a swastika panel in my high school and uh so people you know the the racial threats that were given to students uh, uh, african-american students at penn again these are french people we're not saying this represents the uh trump uh, you know, it doesn't represent the Trump campaign. We're not saying that, you know, 99% of the Trump voters feel this way. But what his rhetoric and his victory has created the atmosphere where extreme people think this is okay. Somebody said that, it, I thought this was insightful. And some people are going to hear this as, as inflammatory in our 717 demo. But we're just, but they said, I'm not, I'm not saying all Trump voters or even a majority of them, you know, are racist. But for them, it's not a deal breaker. And I'd say that on the misogyny stuff too. Yeah. Like, I think the average Trump voter I know 
is not racist or misogynist. I mean, no. any more than an institutional systemic well, sense. Like, and, like and, all, like all, most of the majority have and, assumptions. And, are, and of, all of us, all I mean, of us have. I mean, that. I've spent my entire life working in the African American community, and I'm more aware of my racism now than I've ever been. Yeah, yeah, but 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 it's I don't not, like it that it's there, but it's there. I'm but not it's not it's a deal breaker for a lot of people. It, like no, for, but, for yeah. a lot of people, especially among educated white Trump voters, they they. You know that wasn't a deal breaker. That it, it, it wasn't something that shook their their support. So I think I think that you know, and, and that that means something. I mean that it says something about our public life. You know what I think, and I was just a kid, but the way Vietnam veterans were treated after they came home is is un, is unthinkable. I mean, uh, the Vietnam War should never happen. The leadership of the country should have been held accountable. Uh, we did commit atrocities over there, and a couple million uh, Vietnamese, Laotian, and Cambodian citizens were killed uh, because of what we did there. And uh, you know, thousands of lives in this country were you know, lost, and millions of lives were affected because of those losses and the way people came back. Matter of fact, I had a friend who was a trainer during Vietnam, and uh, he said. Uh, you know, this was 20 years after the war. He was going to a funeral. He goes, you know, uh, this war is still taking people every month. And he was going to a funeral of a friend who had died, who committed suicide. So, you, you know, the way people coming back from that war were treated is, is unacceptable. And I think, you know, we've made uh, the right kind of corrective, all right? Maybe gone too far, the other, word, the other, other way. But again, the fact that a candidate... Uh, criticized a decorated POW who is uh, who is uh, was the candidate for his party's presidential election, and then what he did with the golden, you know, the you know the the, the family, you know, that, that's been taken to, you know, that's been talked to death. Uh, the fact that that you know racism, the sexism, you know, the talk about minorities, the threatening of of uh, deportations. Uh, criticizing war heroes, <laughs> that that's it, you're, I'm right. That, that's that, none of that stuff seemed to prevent people from voting and um, for him. I, I that's you know when people say, "Oh, you you know you're being elitist, you're being crit." That's I, I, it's hard to wrap my mind around how people of good conscience just ignored all that to vote for him. Well, you know, somebody said this repeatedly, and I think there's something to this that. Those voters that looked past that took him seriously, but not literally. Yeah, it's interesting. So there, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, and and I mean, uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a roll of the dice. But there, there you go. I mean, I think that that's it's like uh, you know uh, that's my crazy uncle at Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's, it's just a <laughs> bit of fun, you know. Uh, you know, like it's anyway, that's sort. Of, I mean, I I think you have to kind of. I mean, but, you know, there were some pieces that I read this week that talked about people who were probably in the $50,000 or $100,000 demographic as white voters who either were on the low end of that or had just fallen below that because of hard times and or feel some sort of stagnation anxiety. Right. And they, they, they really voted because they saw him as a change agent and... And again, like we've said, like it, it, there are a lot of people out there who were who were drawn to both Trump and Sanders. Like, which again, if you're a person that's 
intensely political and an ideological person, that seems completely impossible. But but, but if you're the person that says six eight suited feels really good, like it, I mean, I, that does not seem. There's a logic to it that uh, yeah. the heart has reasons. Well, the reason I, doesn't understand. Yeah, and, I, and again, I mean, frankly, I got my uh, what my health insurance. Uh, if I keep my current policy, I got what my rate is going to be next year, uh, right before the election. So I understand sticker shock. I mean, I'm one of those uh, middle class, struggling middle class people right now. Fortunately, my kids uh, are done with college, but uh, but no, and I'm not making I'm not making the money I made in the past either. So trust me, I get I uh, I you know I, I cannot keep the current policy I have because I can't afford it. I mean, it went up nosebleed astronomically so, bigly bigly so bigly. i get i get that I, I still you can get bigly hats by the way now yeah so part of me still is you know with a sense of history a sense of understanding how much how how much latitude the president has in terms of power um you know i was not uh i'm not interested in trying to draw that inside straight yeah yeah well but you know we you know we're 40 minutes in, so we should wrap this we relatively should. soon just for, I don't know. For our I, own, maybe not. I don't for know. our own sake. Yeah. For our own sake. I don't know. But I think. We have, some, we, we have some people make some comments. Maybe we should. Okay, we got, we got Rachel Lynn. Uh, Morosi wasn't a deal breaker. I'm sorry. I should use the mic. Wasn't a deal breaker. Or they thought he wasn't really racist. For many Trump voters I know, we don't. Agree on definitions of racism, sexism, et cetera. Okay. I, I think that's I think that's that's a, that's a really good point. This is yeah. from Facebook Live. We just got. Thank you, Rachel. I think that's true, and I think, and I think also, I would want to also say that, it, I I am not above saying that like some of the inflammatory stuff might not have been sincere at all. Like I, you know, but I think he knows. Well, the people who knew him. We're surprised by that. Yeah, and you and I, after the Muslim com, uh, <laughs> comment about banning Muslims, you and I, the day after, did a podcast where we talked about the PPPI research, which yeah. is like a not quite pew, but big. Right, and, right, right. And do all these exhaustive. And that's like the majority of Americans, 56% percent or something, thought, think that Islam is incompatible with the American way of life. Right. You switch to Republicans. It goes up to 77. Even 43% of Democrats think that. Yeah. And virtually every uh, Christian denomination, you, you can go to Hispanic Pentecostals, you'll get uh, over oh, 50% yeah. on that. So, I mean. And can they, I ask you, what percentage of all those people actually understand Islam? Right, exactly. Right. No, I mean, probably less, probably less than 10%. And, and you know that this is, and what I'm saying is, you know that this is, on some of these moves at least, Donald Trump either by, Doing a little bit of, you know, somebody throwing a poll in front of him or just intuition. He knows how to, how to be a provocateur. And so this is what's so complicated because you, you don't know. I mean, the misogyny thing, I think, is fair. I think we got enough I, data. I think, I think there is. There's, hey, you know what? There's My, video and imperial. I, imperial I've been a Tic Tac guy for years. I came in from Rite Aid. And, the, and and I had bought Tic Tacs last night. And they were in my jacket pocket. And Lindy was looking for the keys as she left. And she was going through my jacket pocket, and there were tic-tacs. She goes, oh, gross. 
So thanks for ruining Tic Tacs. Yeah, and, and, and they were orange. They yeah, weren't even the kind that fits your breath. And, and yeah, and you end up sleeping on my couch, which exactly. is never a good thing. Tic Tacs. Yeah. No, but um, anyway, I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're trying, you know, we want to try to understand, you know, it's interesting. I, I've talked a lot about this. We've talked a little bit about it, but I've talked a lot about this at my church, which probably my congregation, you know, um, you know, I had some people really upset, but I had some people who I'm um, I, I'm sure were happy, yeah, happy the way the thing went. I mean, uh, you know, I live in a county that went about 50-50. Didn't, didn't we get the Bucks County got about 50-50? Yeah, it was, it, it was close. It was yeah. very close, yeah. And uh, uh, But, you know, I was talking when I thought Hillary Clinton was going to win that we need to make overtures of peace. And, uh, and again, I, I mean, uh, if I, I don't make any apologies for criticizing people's Ideas, and I don't think there's anything wrong with questioning the reasoning that brought people to certain decisions. I, I, certainly, uh, my ideas and, and my reasoning are open to scrutiny as well. I mean, it, it's not. And, and again, we've been pretty open. We were open before. You know, we didn't. Uh, neither of us have a Hillary Clinton T-shirt or put a sign in our yard. No. So, so at any rate, but. Um, but I guess the, the issue, you know, I, I, the issue needs to still be the one I thought, uh, you know, that needed beforehand. Uh, there needs to be ways to build bridges across this uh, evenly and heatedly um, divided country. Again, um, I was a kid, but I certainly got the sense that we were a divided country during the Vietnam years in the late 60s. And, uh, 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 you know, someone said, well, what do you? Th- someone, one of my sons said, "What do you make of all this protesting that's going on?" I go, ten soldiers and Nixon's coming." <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> we're finally oh, on. Oh, I mean, oh, you know, it, it feels oh, a little. Boy. It feels a little bit ni- like 1968 all over. We'll, we uh, we hopefully it'll be a more peaceful and more redemptive outcome than that election was. But um, we uh, obviously uh, we've lost we've lost certification in the profit. Uh, P-R-O-P-H-E-T club. So we no longer certify profits. Although I'm in two fantasy football leagues and I'm eight and two in both of them. So take that. But when it comes to politics, I didn't do very well. My fantasy political team did not did not win very well. We still called the Gary some of the Gary Johnson stuff. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. All right. So I read this article. Uh, and we in, should end with this. In the New Yorker about how to restore. The New Yorker. Yeah, the New Yorker. So it's mm. uh, elitist mm. sources mm. uh, called How to Restore Your Faith in Democracy. And it was all about Charles Taylor, who, philosopher, Roman Catholic, I mean, one of, you know, the big philosophers and social theorists, writes big, 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 bigly books that everybody quotes. With big al- words. With big words and almost nobody reads. In fact, <laughs> it's an accomplishment to read, like, the idiot's guide to like there's one by Jake, Jamie Smith about the secular age. It's like a lot of people read that and don't even feel like they read the cliff notes. It's like, <laughs> but, but Charles Taylor, um, this author's saying, cause he spent some time with him recently and he was talking about democracy and he said, Taylor's come scholarly empathy is reassuring his three point program for engaging with one's political opponents. Try to listen. Find out what's troubling them. Stop condemning is deeply humane. At times, speaking about Trump's racist, misogynist, and xenophobic rhetoric, his voice would rise in anger. Then he would pause, take a breath, and remind me that enthusiasm for Trump could be seen as a genuine and ardent, if misguided, expression of democratic ethos. Mm -hmm. The belief that democracy is supposed to be a system in which non-elites have a say, 
That principle is built right into the nature of democracy, he said. But there are constructive ways of asserting it and destructive ways. Uh, where Bernie Sanders had proposed a program that might have actually given nine elites more power, Trump proposed to consolidate power among a subject, a subset of nine elites, as Taylor put it, um, which could you know let, make other people feel left out. But then he says this in answering a uh, the central question of a secular age: Why was it virtually impossible to not believe in God in say 1500, while in 2000 many of us find this not only easy but even inescapable? Taylor begins by quoting Honorius of Oxford, oh, one wow. of the scholar monks of the High Middle Ages who wrote during the 11th century. At times, he seems to talk about present-day politics from this same distant and philosophical vantage. As long as human beings aspire, they will be capable of corrupting the objects of their aspiration, he told me. I'm a person of faith, and I would feel terribly deprived if I didn't have that faith. But I also see how the corruption of faith is terrible. Think of the Inquisition. Yeah. If I were a Muslim, I would look at the present situation in Saudi Arabia and with the Islamic State, and I would be appalled, as my Muslim friends are. There will always be modes of the supposed best that can be corrupted. This principle, he suggested, is as true of democratic faith as for any other kind, a thought worth keeping in mind at moments like these when the very meaning of the word democracy seems in dispute. We will be back very soon. Peace. Admit that the waters around you have grown Accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times, they are changing Come writers and critics Prophesize with your pen and Keep your eyes wide The chance won't come again and Don't speak too soon For the wheel's still in span And there's no telling Who that it's naming And the loser Now will be led to win For the times They are changing Senators and congressmen, easy the call. Don't stand in the doorways, don't block up the hall. For he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled. There's a battle outside and it's raging. You just soon shake your windows and rattle your walls. For the times, they are a change. Mothers and fathers throughout the land Don't criticize what you can't understand Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command Your old road is rapidly aging Please get out of the new one if you can lend your hand For the times, they are changing The curse it is cast The slow one now Will later be past As the present now Will later be past 
your old road is rapidly fading And the first one now will later be last For the times they are changed 